0: Welcome back to the Weighing In podcast, presented by Track Wrestling. This is episode number ninety-two. I'm your host, Alex Steen, and on the phone with me, David mirkatani David, is, is it is it raining as hard in Missouri as it is in Oklahoma right now? It is not. It's just kind of a steam bath here, sir. Um, we got some rain earlier today, but just enough to bring that humidity up to a, a, a borderline horrific level. So <laughs> nice and boiling in the Midwest these days. It's the dog days of summer, right? That's that's indeed the case, and one of the most sought-after available recruits is going to choose to spend his time in the Midwest a little bit more. Uh, Abe Acid signed with Iowa. David, I know he was previously committed to Army. When he started having a little more success, he decommitted and made his made his recruitment um, back into all sorts of different teams. Iowa's red hot, and they score another one. Yeah, the rich get richer, right? I mean, they, you know, they, and
1: then Iowa's done an unbelievable job of recruiting inside of Illinois. I mean, you can go down the hit list there with Warner and Cassiopeia, and they're getting, you know, we don't know yet about those guys, but they're certainly getting guys that feel like they're going to be good. Not like the, you know, the A minus level recruits or anything like that. Like they're getting really, really blue, blue chipper. So, and he's got a way where they, you know, they, they're going to need some depth there, need somebody to, to wrestle. It's not, not just, you know, he's a bench guy in case somebody else doesn't, you know, come through for them. He's a guy that can contribute, you know, probably either immediately or after a redshirt year. So big get for
0: uh, the brands and Morningstar and um, they just keep chugging along, man. And I think that's a really important point because, you know, especially with Penn state and, you know, you see it at Oklahoma State, you see it at Ohio State, and you see it at Iowa now, too. A lot of times, they sign these kids, and it's like, well, that guy's really good, but somebody, him, or another top-level recruit is going to have to sit because, you know, they're just stacking them on top of each other. This is a really key get for them. I know the Hawkeye fans really wanted him. and Now they've got him. Right.
1: And, this, you know, ties into – the conversation we've had the last couple of weeks about the transfer rules, you know, like it's going to be a lot more difficult to build blue chip depth because kids can just leave and go, look, you know, maybe I can't start here. Maybe Alex is the best guy in the country and I can't start, but I can go to XYZ school and probably, you know, make the national finals and, you know, maybe get a different set of coaches and, you know, maybe beat him. So yeah, it, it's a big get for them. And, you know, we can all do these projections and you're really good at them of, projecting rosters and kind of saying, well, who's going to fit in into these lineups, you know, two, three, four years from now, I've done some of that for track wrestling. And they never obviously go the way you think they are. I mean, every year I've coached, if I put, I started putting like the 10 names I thought would start at the beginning of envelope in September, and I would open up in February when I needed a good laugh because so it just never goes that way. But certainly on paper, Iowa has lined themselves up to not
0: have very many holes for the next two, three, four years. Absolutely. I mean, people grow, things, injuries happen. And especially now, like you said, with the new transfer rule, we'll probably see a few more transfers. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, one guy looking for a transfer that has his release is Hunter Ritter of Wisconsin. Uh, NCAA qualifier last year. Yeah, it's, you know, Chris Bonnell coming in. You always seem to have guys that transfer out when you get a new coach, no matter how good the coach is. Um, David, where do you
1: think she's going to go? I don't know. This one kind of caught me by surprise. Usually, when guys transfer this late in August, it's they already know where they're going, right? Like it's not like they're oh, now I'm going to open it up for shopping. Uh, You know, and as much as you know, people would like to think that these these guys aren't getting you know contacted you know behind closed doors or things like that. It's certainly happening. So you know, my guess would be. The Hunter knows where he's going to go, and as a coach, if you take over some a situation or you inherit somebody and and they don't want to be there, or maybe you're not, they're not the guy you would have recruited. Sometimes it's a lot better to just let let bygones be bygones, let everybody move on, and you know sometimes it's better for both parties involved. And I would I would think that in this case that's probably how it's being perceived. You know we've seen a lot of those transfers. Uh, Oklahoma State had a bunch of them transfer out just because of that depth. So uh, it is interesting. I think we're going to see more and more of this. It's going to become more and more regular. It's hard to not be a prisoner of the moment, but it feels like there's just been a ton
0: of off-season higher, you know, higher-profile transfers almost than ever before. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the data over the years on that, and I'm sure we don't, we will never have it because it's, you know lost to history but it does feel like we're seeing more and obviously with the new rules you would expect a spike um i think they're still limited on the number of times you can transfer so i we won't it won't be like a free agency where a guy wrestles for four different schools in four years which is good because we do want these kids to graduate at some point but you would expect more um more movement for sure um yeah Speaking of Wisconsin, we're starting this week, we're going to look through each of the top 20 teams from last year, finishing at the NCAA tournament, kind of go into who they get back, who they lose, some of the storylines surrounding them. Wisconsin is in the first four teams we're going to be doing this week. We'll start with number 20, North Carolina, uh, who scored 27 points last year at the NCAA tournament. Coleman Scott has built something out there. He continues to try to make it a little bit better every year. And this is a year they do lose Troy Heilman, who was a surprise. I mean, by the time March came around, he wasn't a surprise, but he was a surprise for the year he had going out as an All-American. They also lose Ethan Ramos. They also lose Dan Chade. They have a lot of young talent. David, what do you think of the Tar Heels?
1: Well, a couple things, right? I mean, like you said, you know, we did this, Andy and I did this exercise last year, and we just sort of, we did it sort of cursory and then talked through it where, you know, you, at the at the weight class, you just kind of put a green, yellow, or red. Like, will they be the same, better, or worse? And, you know, same within a you know a couple team points, you just leave it the same, but like, will there be significant uh, improvement or decline? And... You know, Gary Wayne Harding coming in, and you already have our, in our notes, they already have Zach Sherman, but he's a guy that I think they have to feel can wrestle, and he has to feel he's going to wrestle, because otherwise he wouldn't go there. Dalton Macri, like you've mentioned here as well, you know, going to be hard to figure out where he gets in, but they got Kennedy Monday, who had maybe the upset of the first round of the tournament, beating LaValle. Chip Ness is back, and their heavyweight is back, Gil Daniel, but they lose Heilman, they lose Ramos, they lose Shade, as you mentioned. They get O'Connor off a of red shirt, who you know, I know him. He wrestled in border brawl, and he you know wrestled really well in some of these freestyle tournaments this summer, made the two out of three finals against Berge for the world team. It's just going to be hard to make up those Heilman points because you, you can't make up fifth, sixth place points with like a few more guys qualifying unless they're pinning people. So to do that, they're gonna need Headley or Monday, I think realistically, to sort of score what Heilman scored. And then, you know, a guy like like say it's Kennedy Monday, he scores Heilman points and then O'Connor scores Kennedy's points from last year, and then you're right back where you are. And I know you're a guy that studies these numbers a lot, and, and I'm I'm kind of a math nerd that way too, but you know, between twenty-five, thirty-five points is almost always going to get you in the top twenty. Obviously, these teams go over to win nationals, but they definitely want to be in the top twenty. So it's almost like a race to thirty. And you and I were kind of talking off air. It feels like thirty might be about their ceiling this year, unless somebody really
0: breaks out that we're not expecting. Is that is that kind of how you see it? Yeah, I'd hesitate to put the ceiling title on it just because they have some of those guys that. I kinda of look at it as a lottery ticket. It it's the same way with qualifiers in NCAA. Like every year somebody is an all American that nobody saw coming. I mean, anybody picked Sedarian Perry last year? No, of course not. So getting guys to the show, you kind of have that chance. But even from the start of the season, you know, Kennedy Monday had some incredible wins last year. You mentioned the LaValle win at the tournament, but all year he was a rankings nightmare because he would beat a ranked guy. Yeah. And then he'd lose to somebody <laughs> that wasn't close to the rankings. And it's just, those are the kind of guys. If he takes that next step forward, suddenly we're talking about a solid all American instead of around a 12 guy. And that can be a big deal. You know, Gary Wayne Harding, like you said, you've got to think he knows what his competition looks like, I kind of wonder if he can't get to 25 just because, you know, they have some Szymanski there who was really a lot improved, but he still wasn't quite there yet at 125 last year. I mean, we obviously know that Macri can't make 25 anymore. Um, maybe Sherman or Harding can go to 25. I don't know. They may end up stuck at 133, but they just have so many intriguing guys. I mean, Corey Gill and Daniel wrestled great at the end of last year. Um, may, took himself from kind of on the fringe of qualifying to a solid qualifier. Maybe he takes another step forward. Heavyweight's pretty crowded, but you never know. And those kind of guys, you know, A.C. Headley, we know he's got talent. They have a lot of guys like that. And O'Connor is there. Who knows what their ceiling is? But, yeah, if you're looking at it from a without anything crazy happening, yeah, thirty to thirty-five points is probably where you'd expect them to finish up. I don't think they'll have too many problems replacing Heilman's points, but then again, you know, we've seen if you have a lot of round of twelve guys, then that becomes draw dependent and match dependent at the very end. So you can those type of teams can go boom or bust in March because, you know, it's it's one guy, one match, one point kind of thing. Um so They could run into that. I don't see, you know, a national finalist type of guy here unless O'Connor or Kennedy Monday or somebody like that, just all of a sudden takes a leap, you know, multiple levels, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they do. Um, The other, the other interesting part of that is when we talk about
1: this, like sometimes we just don't really talk about like, okay, like X, Y, Z guy can be an all American. Well, Who's back at that weight? So, like, I grabbed the bracket here as we're talking. At 157, Nolf is back. Heidley's back. Berger's back. Kemmer's moving up, but Pantaleo's back. So that's four four guys. Micah Jordan is probably moving down, but either he or Keyshawn Hayes will be there. So that's five. Josh Shields is there. That's six. And then Kennedy. And then Ryan Deacon is moving up. So Kennedy Monday is kind of in the seven through ten ranking block of like. Deacon, Monday, Paul Fox, Van Brill. And then the guys right behind him are Fine Sil- Silver and Wyland. And, you know, theoretically, well, I don't think what happened, like a Joe Smith would be above a bunch of these guys if he ever made 57. Right. But, you know, he's in that sort of 7 to 10 discussion, and that's a huge jump. If he took 7, that's 6.5 points instead of 2, you know, without bonus, obviously. So that would certainly, you know, put a – put a crack into things in terms of replacing those Heilman points. When you go out to heavyweight, it's not as deep as a lot of people think. You know, uh, Desi, if he wrestles, would be one, and it's not been stole. You know, the rumor is Neville's is hurt. So, I mean, he would have been third. Kamita's fourth. Now, obviously, Gable Stevenson fits in here somewhere, but like Derek White, Jordan Wood, Yari Hino, Tanner Hall are your top eight guys. So, you know, Gil Daniel could, you know, push his way out. There's a bunch of guys that made one more round than he did. You know, Thomas Haynes, Billy Miller, Sean Streck, you know, but they're not in weights where, you know, it, it feels like Monday's the one that if you just kind of wrestle the form, you know, could at least be in that blood round
0: with a more winnable match this year. Right. Cause I mean, he beat Berger at one point last year. I mean, I think they, right. I think they split matches and he kind of struggled down the stretch a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't take a lot for him to jump up into that four to eight range. That's kind of open, but you're right. You know, you have to go back through who's there and it's not going to be an easy path. And of course we're kind of glossing over chip Ness at 184. They're only returning returning all American. Um, he was another one that wasn't really expected to be an All-American going into the tournament just made it happen. Um, it'll be interesting to see what his season looks like. He took some losses last year. I mean, he wrestled a tough schedule. So right. he took a lot of early losses and then was much better in the second semester. So it would be interesting to see if he can take a step forward. You know, 184 is always tough. Uh, that's not going to be any Well bad.
1: Yeah, because you're probably going to have Zahid there you know, rumor is maybe Nickel goes up, but Zahid, Miles Martin, Emory Parker, Taylor Venz, Zach Zavatsky are all the guys that placed ahead of him. He beat Gabe, or uh, not Gabe Dean, but he beat Dean in the round, of t- or in the seventh place match. Right. And then most one-round guys, the only ones that didn't uh, graduate are Ryan Price. So, you know, it's not, that's actually a thinner weight where it feels like, okay, maybe he caught lightning in a bottle, but... You know, guys like Mitch Bowman and and Christian LaFregola would be like 9 and 10 right now without, you know, guys moving up or down a weight. So, it feels like he probably could maintain a 6-7, 5-6-7 kind of finish, which they need that. They can't lose points, you know, if they're going to try to improve on where they are, obviously.
0: Right. That'll be interesting to see. You know, you kind of run that that down, and all of a sudden you can look at guys like, I mean, I think – this is bad podcasting, but uh, yeah, I mean, the win over Dean was kind of, that's one that before the tournament, you'd probably have picked Dean in that match. And if he can continue to do that, suddenly he's going to be, you know, right there again. It's just, I think there's a a little bit of a tendency for most fans around the country to look at Ness and go, mm, I'm not sold yet because of his regular season, but You know, he's won matches throughout his career. It's just a matter of whether he can take that next step. I mean, he did have 12 losses last year. So I understand it to a certain extent.
1: He's also got that confidence that he can get it done, which is certainly helpful. And then the other part that we haven't talked about with UNC is Neil Erskman's gone. And, you know, obviously he was a guy that had a good relationship with a lot of those guys. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, we sort of saw that with uh, Oklahoma State last year. Aaron Carrero left, and a bunch of those guys went in the wrong direction. And, you know, it's really hard to tell the impact of an assistant coach until he's actually gone. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously they got, you know, Hassaman, and they got Coleman, and they got Ramos, and they got uh, Kenny Monday on the RTC side. So they obviously have great coaches, but kids tend to build relationships with certain coaches. So that's obviously a possibility as well.
0: Right, and that, that's one of the low-key X factors every year is when these assistant coaches move around, it's really hard to tell unless you're in that room, unless you're really close to the program. Like you said, who of the, of the guys in that room has their go-to guy was that assistant? Like, who is that, you know, who's it going to affect the yeah. most? And we, it's impossible to tell from the outside. Um, you just never know. I just laugh about it because there were guys that loved – to have my
1: dad in the corner, like we all did. And there was other ones that I was just really close to. And, you know, they were just as fine having me in the corner, you know? So it really, it does depend, you know, like and we, we really tried to work our way around that. So the guys felt really comfortable, especially in those big matches at the end of the year. Right. So, yeah, it feels like though, if you had to guess that North Carolina is probably going to score about the same amount of points, you don't see a ton of, like they're not gonna fall way off, and some things are gonna to have to happen pretty dramatically for them to to jump a level,
0: yeah, I would agree with that um, but i think I think the fact that they've built it to this point where they're or we're thinking they're probably gonna have an all american maybe two, that's a good step in the right direction from where they were, I think, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, so moving so, on to the three way tie for seventeenth <laughs> Wyoming had twenty seven yeah. and a half points. They uh, will return Montori Bridges, who was a freshman All-American. They return NCAA qualifiers Sam Turner and Branson Ashworth. They lose Bryce Meredith, who was the face of the program for much of the last three years. They also lose Archie Colgan and Chaz Paulson, who were both in Cleveland last spring as well. What do you think, David?
1: So this one feels like... You know, first of all, I love what Branch and Ethan Kyle and those guys are doing, but it feels like they're gonna be hard pressed to get those Meredith points because you know it's sixteen points plus bonus um that he scored last year. And so if you look at his path, he had a pin along the way too. So he scored eighteen if you round it up with their twenty-eight points. So they bring nine and a half back. The other thing is Bridges comes back in an absolutely hellacious way. Where we know gross is back, we know Misich is back, we know Tariq Wilson's back, we know Pletcher's back, we know either Cade Brock or Piccinini or Fix is gonna be there. Uh we also know that Lezak is moving up. There's a strong possibility Sariano is moving up. So him to and Scotty Parker, who beat him for seventh, is back. So and you now you have Austin DeSanto wrestling for Iowa instead of Drexel. And you know, Jack Mueller was a returning All-American and didn't play. So it's going to be tough for him to make a jump there. And then the rest of these guys are going to have to somehow make up 18 points. So I think it's going to be difficult for them to stay at this 25 to 30 point level.
0: Yeah, and I think anytime you graduate someone like Bryce Meredith, you're you're going to struggle to replace those points. Um, it'll be interesting to see. What guys like Turner and Branson Ashworth can do to step forward, right? Um, obviously, we know Bridges, and you you chronicled the, the weight very well. That's going to be rough, but at the same time, he was you know on the stand as a freshman. If he can continue to take a step forward, maybe he, you know, he beat K Brock once last year. He did have a win over Tariq Wilson, although that was regular season Tariq, which was not the same guy we saw in Cleveland.
1: <laughs> Everybody's going be a regular season Tariq, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, understandable. But, you know, he's going to be another guy in that weight battling, you know, for that those lower All-American spots. Um, it, it's always interesting with the programs like Wyoming. I think Branch is a great fit there because he embraces the lifestyle. And he embraces, you know, what kind of program he has. He's not at Oklahoma state anymore. He's not, you know, going to get the blue chip number one guys. He has to find guys that are willing to look at Wyoming and that are willing to kind of embrace that lifestyle. It's a different lifestyle out there. You know, it's very, very rough, rugged terrain. You're out away from everything. Uh, but he's, he's figured that out and he's always got tough kids in that lineup. Um, You know, Kale Davidson was 18 and two last year, very stingy defense. They're having Brian Andrews from NEO transfer in. He was third at Duco last year. You know, he's, he's continuing to replenish that lineup. It may not be the way we see with teams like Penn state, but he always gets guys in there that buy into that program. So it'll be interesting to see who the next one is. You know I mean? Archie Colgan finally won his first conference title as a senior, you know, went to Cleveland again, you know, another national qualifying campaign. Those are the kind of guys you can build around when you're at Wyoming. Now, as you get, like I said, I don't think he has another Bryce Meredith on that roster right now. I'm sure they hope Bridges turns into that. Um, But I have no doubt that in duels, they will be a tough out.
1: Yeah, they're going to be a good dual meet team. But, you know, this is really where the understanding the team point structure, like, you know, Meredith scored 18 points you can have three guys take eighth and then 16 and a half points so it's just going to real they're going to have to have some guys do some things that nobody's expecting and i love those guys and you know i'm, I'm friends with them and i you know i respect what they do but just realistically it's going to be difficult so uh but yeah the formula and i mean i saw it here in missouri ryan smith built the program that way where The way to build a program is you get good in dual meets first or you get a bunch of guys that are like round of 16 kind of guys and you can beat sort of the stars and scrubs teams out there and then those guys start punching through and getting medals. And then when they get medals, then it's easier to recruit. Then you get the guys that win the yellow medals or at least you're wearing a suit on Saturday night. So, you know, they've been wearing a suit on Saturday night for a couple years here now. It, It has helped them with recruiting and now they just got to develop those guys even if they are sort of the you know, the light blue chip, not the heavy blue chip like you were talking about so well.
0: Definitely. And I mean, you know, you see that when you do, I think every year there's a team out there that's going to, you know, qualify eight or nine guys. They're all in the you know, top 20 rankings and everything is good. But then you start looking at them and you realize they're all ranked between 12 and 25. Those yeah. don't score. You're absolutely right. And that, that could be what Wyoming's looking at. Obviously, Bridges will be hoping to be in the top 10. But with that weight, who knows? They could end up with several ranked wrestlers but not make a lot of noise come March. Um, but, you know, that's that's Wyoming for you right now. Sometimes they have to take a step back, take a step forward. So we'll see how they do. Moving on to another team that finished 17th with 27 and a half points, Wisconsin, who is welcoming the, the opening of the Bono era this year. Um, and he's bringing along with him a 125 pounder. That's likely to start in Connor Brown. David, when, whenever a coach moves, they usually bring along at least one, maybe two, maybe three, depending on where they come from. Is that just a natural thing that just, you know, you, you were recruited by that coach, and you want to follow him. For sure,
1: and I love Connor Brown. Connor Brown's a Missouri kid, Kansas City kid. Wrestled from Oak Grove. Uh, wrestled in Border Brawl. So got a chance to know him and his family. Awesome people, and I know they just felt really excited about being a part of the South Dakota State family. And so, you know, but 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 people. I shouldn't say people don't understand, but a lot of people that aren't involved on it at any sort of deep down level is you go where you feel like the coach really cares about you and can make you a champion. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And that kid felt like that that staff was the best one to help him achieve his goals. And so he made that switch. And this is where that rule, I think, makes 100% sense where – okay, you can leave and you're not going to get punished and that sort of thing. And that's exactly what you want to see where, okay, I signed up for this school, you know, really, I don't care what anybody says because of this coach. So this is where I'm going to go. So, you know, he's, and he's a goer, man. I mean, he, you know, obviously he's like, anybody's a freshman, he can get better, but high, high energy kid. And also just, he's just tough. He's a physically really tough kid. So, you know, I love watching them wrestle, and, you know, you got Bono and Leader up there, and and everything's hashtag jump around, so I think, you know, they've got big things coming up there, and now they're in a program. They had some recruiting advantages at South Dakota State that a lot of people don't know about, but now they're recruiting to the best conference in the country, so I certainly think there'll be some advantages there as well.
0: Definitely, and I think what he did at South Dakota State with, you know, getting them up there in the dual attendance, really reaching out to the community, that's only going to be amplified at Wisconsin. I mean, he no slight South Dakota State because they are very supportive of their program and the community is great up there. It's just that Wisconsin's a bigger market. You know, they could do all of that times two or three. So that's going to be interesting to see if he can replicate those results um, with the Badgers. They're bringing back NCAA qualifier, Cole Martin at 149. Um, They're all American, Evan Wick at 165 and another qualifier, Ryan Christensen at 174. In addition to Xander Wick, who was injured in Vegas, but will probably be a solid qualifier and we'll have eyes on the all American stand as well. We talked about Hunter Ritter transferring. So they lose him. They lose Andrew crone They lose Ricky Robertson. And of course the tragic situation with Eli Stickley, he, will not be there. Um, It's still, it's another solid, solid lineup. You don't see a lot of top end, but a lot of guys that could be around Friday battling for All-American honors.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that we need to touch on is the sneaky move they made of, I shouldn't say sneaky, just smart move, of getting Ben Askren there as their RTC coach. Ben's a, a great coach, great mind for wrestling, and he's a legend in that state. And that's going to help them tremendously with recruiting. And they brought on McDonough. So, you know, they've got, I'm always intrigued by coaching staff that have multiple styles. You know, I get that a lot of guys, like, you know, like the Iowa and the Oklahoma states of the world, you know, it's almost always all their guys. But a lot of these coaching staff that come from different trees, they bring different styles. Like we saw how good South Dakota State was on top when A.J. Schopp was there. And, you know, so that's something that, you know, if, you know, if you bring Askren in, I'm guessing these guys might get pretty good at scrambling and, and counter cradles. I think that might be a thing, you know.
0: So, you know, I think that that's that's going to behoove them, you know, in a very positive way as well. I agree with that. And it's something I've harped on. You know, I grew up as an Oklahoma State fan. so. I've always wanted to see them go outside the Oklahoma state tree and bring in some variety, which they did a little bit. They brought in, you know, Isaac Jordan last year, but you know, it's hard to do when you have a successful program and you have a lot of guys that are your guys that want to get into coaching. I understand that, but yeah, a a coaching tree, like Bono reader, McDonough and Askren, it's, it's huge. And it not only, you're right about the recruiting angle. That's perfect. They can own Wisconsin now, but they also that helps them reach out to the community. Like instantly, you have ends with the high school coaches because of Askling's club. You know, it's it's just everything makes perfect sense. Even if he was a terrible coach, which he's not, so it's just it's a, the opposite of a terrible coach. Absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, even if it right. was, it would still make sense to bring him on. So it's a great move uh, overall. There's another guy I wanted to bring up because. Mason Reinhardt has been stuck behind quality wrestlers his whole career, and it looks like he might finally get a chance. Now, he's a, he's a junior now. He, it looks like this is going to be his weight at 184, and I'm very interested to see how he does. Now, he wrestled 197 last year, but it, it kind of fits with him going back to 84. Maybe he'll take the 197 spot. I'm not sure. He could probably challenge for either, but he's a quality guy. And we see this every year when guys finally get their chance, some of them really flourish. And that's, if I'm looking at this roster, that's the guy that I'm picking out that he could be somebody that surprises a lot of people.
1: For sure. Another thing that that Bono said to me just in passing when I saw him up out at uh, Minnesota was that Evan Wick is really light. So there's, I don't know that this will happen, but they could move him to 57 and flip flop him and Xander. They said he, he, even though he looks huge, he's got like bird bones. You, you know, he, he doesn't cut a lot of weight, and that he could actually probably make
0: uh, 57. I don't know that he'll do that, but it's just something to keep an eye on for sure. Interesting, and of course we'll have to see how Xander's health is. I know um, he had a he had surgery last season, so has had plenty of time to recuperate, but that's always one of those things you have to kind of keep an eye on. For sure. Moving to the last team that was tied for 17th, 27.5 points, Minnesota Golden Gophers, who have had quite an interesting offseason. They're welcoming Sean Russell from Edinburgh, a past All-American, who should take over at 125. They're also welcoming Devin Skaska from Indiana, who was an NCAA qualifier at 174. And then almost all of their lightweights are moving up. Ethan Leesak, Key to one forty one, Thorne to one forty nine, and Lee's to one fifty seven. They also have Brent Jones and Jake Bergallen coming off red shirts. So suddenly the depth in that room at the lower weights is remarkable. I mean I for sure. When you have, have go ahead.
1: They have a lot of I mean, they're probably the most interesting team of these four, right? Like, as much as we're trying to say, well, North Carolina, might, these might happen, Wyoming, this might happen, Wisconsin, this might happen. Honestly, this is the thing where you can see a lot of stuff happening. Sean Russell was an All-American. He could be. Then, you know, Ethan Lezak, a whole new set of guys that aren't used to the backpack, that could make a big difference. Then you got guy like mitch mckee who's had a ton of big wins and he's always had great battles with like guys like Cade brock you know how will he do at 41 throwing at 49 and then obviously gable stevenson who's going to be an absolute ranking nightmare where you start him i mean you could argue he's off the board because he hasn't wrestled a college match and you can argue he's number one anytime you can argue 26 to one that is a uh and it's conundrum, but you know I think most of us feel like he's going to be in the semifinals on Friday night, so that's a huge increase in points there. And he scores a lot of points. He's going to get a lot of bonus points, you know, early in the tournament. It feels like so. It feels like they're going to. They could easily jump to. I mean, even if he just took like fourth, you know, that put and everybody else did the same, you know, they that gets them to 40, 41 points. And then, you know, they can essentially add an all American here where even if it's like just Sean Russell or McKee places and leave that places again, this would be the one team of those four that I think could easily get above 50 points.
0: Certainly. And they, they have the most top end of any of this group. And you know, that's, that's Minnesota for you that we, even last season, they had a lineup at certain times that looked like, they had a chance to be a lot better than 17th and it didn't really go their way. You know, they had Jake Short and Wanzik who were gone now. They had Owen Webster who, you know, big talent came in from Augsburg got hurt and didn't finish the season. They actually had Brandon Crone who qualified there. They're both back. Uh, Dylan Anderson had a really nice record and then struggled in the big 10 season down the stretch. And Bobby Stevenson still around. You know, this is just, it's a lineup with a lot of potential. Um, but, like you said, you know, they've got to find obviously Stevenson. I don't, no one is worried about him. You know, fourth at the US Open at the senior level, all those, you know, junior and cadet world titles. And he won the Daktronics Open last year. So he's already proven that he can beat college heavyweights. Not that anybody was questioning that. Um, but then, yeah, you go through the lineup and, you know, Sean Russell's going to be dangerous at 25, especially if some more of those guys like Soriano move up. He's got a chance to get back on the stand. One thirty three is a madhouse, so who knows? But Ethan lezak has got a puncher's chance and he's wrestled his best at two straight NCAA tournaments, which is never a bad thing to have in your corner. You know, Yeah. Yeah. And McKee's been in, in the round of twelve twice. Steve Bleas has been in the round of twelve before. Thorne's been all been an All American before. And they're gonna get pushed by the young guys. So they're they're gonna be a really interesting um Jake Allard's in the mix, and it's just they're a really interesting group. You'd, you'd have to bet that they'll score more than 27 and a half points. I think the bigger question is just how many, how much more can they score? You know, you talked about ceilings earlier. This team has a high ceiling. I would set the over-under at around 49 and a half. I mean, the
1: more that I look at it, because I feel like, you know, Sean Russell's got a pretty good chance to be an All-American. I mean, I have them, you know, in the top eight or nine coming into the season, just depending on which woods of these guys move up or down. And so that's not as many as Lezak scored last year, but then you move Lezak up to 33. I certainly think they'll outscore 25-33 this year versus last year. Mitch McKee will outscore what Thorne did at 41 last year. Thorne will outscore what they did at 49 last year. They're going to have a huge jump at 285. And like you said, you know, sort of the Cron webster thing, you have to feel like one of those guys is going to push the other one. Cron's a guy that scores, you know, maybe he does an All-American, but he scores a lot of bonus points too. So, I mean, they scored basically, you know, 28 points. You've got to figure, I mean, freestyle and folk style are different, but Stevenson Tech fall Tanner Hall in like a minute and a half. So I think, that, you know, we we have to realistically start him ahead of Tanner Hall in the rankings in the preseason, and you know, that puts him like in fourth or fifth. I mean if Neville is if Neville's is hurt and Desi doesn't wrestle and Stoll is shot, like he is number one and he's probably number two. And and those are all very realistic possibilities that, you know, Stoll's not going to be ready at the beginning of the year, Desi's not going to use his red shirt and Neville's is injured. I mean Gable Stevenson might realistically start the year one or two. Yeah. And that's, You had 16 points for that number plus a couple, you know, pins.
0: Now you're right at 50 points. Right. And yeah, I mean, I don't know where you start Stevenson. I haven't looked at it, but I don't think anybody is questioning whether he has a chance to win a title right away. He could definitely do that. And I don't think it would surprise very many people. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to watch them. I mean, they went through the madness with the changeover from J-Rob to Agum. And then, you know, they kind of, if, Battled, kind of treaded water a little bit. You know, they had two years ago with Lezak bust through the finals. It was kind of the the spark, and then last year just never really panned out. I think this is the year where we might see them finally take that jump back into being. You know, in the national conversation, it, it'll be. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um,
1: I, well, the Sean Russell pickup is really big because it gives them a chance to redshirt a Patrick McKee. You know, and I, I got a chance to visit with Patrick at the Olympic Training Center and he was actually excited about that. You know, to be on the team with his brother, redshirt for a year, train with Russell, train with Lee Zach, you know, you know, really figure out what he's you know, one of the big advantages most freshmen really struggle on bottom. You wrestle with Ethan Lizak every day, you're gonna get better on bottom. So you know if he comes out of that, you know, after a year And a Sean Russell. I mean, you know, nothing against where he was, but he doesn't have the same level of training partners then that he does now. So it's going to be really interesting. I think they're a team that could literally double their points. And you can't say that about a lot of teams that scored over 20 points. You know, I I guess we'll talk about another one next week with Oklahoma State. But for the most part, you don't see teams doubling their points.
0: No, and most of the time when that happens, it's a case of they redshirted a bunch of people or something, you know, something weird happened. And in Minnesota's case, I think they just needed another year to get a little bit better. And obviously adding Gable Stevenson helps a lot in that regard. Um, Well, and Russell. I think Russell's a guy that realistically, even if he takes
1: eight, that's six points. You had Gable that's, say, 16 points. That's 22 points. Now you're right at 50. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's definitely – those two guys plus, you know, I think Lee will wrestle just as well, if not better, at thirty three. I and mean, I think he becomes a Tariq Wilson type of guy to wrestle where his length becomes a real issue. I mean, he's maybe not as good as getting the legs as Tariq is, but he's as good as anybody in that weight class, with maybe the exception of Seth Gross on top. Like if he and Seth Gross wrestle, it'll just be like which guy gets to pick top first. That'll be a fascinating
0: match. <laughs> Yeah. And I think he's a little bit underrated because he struggled a little bit during the regular season last year. And that might've been due to the cut. I'm not sure, but you know, there's, it's something you see when you start looking at careers, you see these guys almost always, they either overperform at the NCAAs or they underperform. And if they do it once, you kind of go, okay, maybe that wasn't a big thing. If you do it two or three times, it becomes a pattern. And he's done it twice in a row where he's outperformed almost anyone's expectations of him. So he'll start the year and I'm sure he will be doubted by a lot of people because 133 is a madhouse. You know, he gets pigeonholed a little bit as a one dimensional wrestler. He's really much better on his feet than people give him credit for. But yeah, I, I fully expect him to be right there at the end because he's proven he can do that. So well, his, base, his basement is almost getting tech-called by Spencer
1: Lee in the first period, you know, but his ceiling is, I'm looking at the bracket last year, and he had a major against Barlow McGee, then he lost to Bresser in overtime, 4-2, to two, and then he comes back, beats Brock Hudkins, then he majors Drew Mattens, then he tech-calls Nick Piccinini, and then he pins Zeke Moisey, and then he beats Darian Cruz, and then he leaves it to Tomasello in overtime. So there's two matches he lost in overtime. Right. So, I mean, that guy's right there. And the other thing is, I think I mentioned a major, two majors, a tech, and a pin. I mean, that's one, two, that's five and a half bonus points. That's gigantic. That's the same as another eighth place finish by a guy. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that that's huge. I mean, him taking fourth is the same as taking second with no bonus points. So, he's scoring finalist points for you. That's significant points for sure
0: absolutely and we're you know yes he got tech followed by spencer lee i think we're gonna look back on that after spencer lee is done and realize that he tech followed a lot of really good guys <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah for sure i don't yeah i don't i don't think anybody is thinking spencer lee's not that
1: good and he got lucky I'm just saying that's that's sort of his worst you know moment of the year and then it's sure you know he i mean people i mean people you know remember this because Gilman said he tired him out on bottom but he was hammering Gilman for two periods. I mean, just, I mean, this guy's ceiling is really high. You know, I mean, he wrestles a little bit. I mean, he doesn't scramble the way Gross does on his feet, but he's he's tough on top and with a different style. And, you know, that style won Nationals last year at that weight. So he has to be considered a title contender. He can't just be like, well, he might All-American.
0: I mean, he's he's right up on that level for sure. Certainly. and. You know, one of the things that I don't think people understand that, that have never wrestled that just, that just follow the sport is how that ability that he has on top affects the neutral game because a lot of these guys, knowing that they don't want to go underneath, they change how they approach the, the entire match because if you make one mistake and get taken down, now you've just given him a chance, especially if it's early in the first period. So, And then if they back off, and are very conservative, that plays right into his hands because he's going to beat you on the mat. You know, he's going to either ride you or you're going to have to take neutral and give up that escape point. So it plays right into his hands. It affects more than just, oh, I can take top and maybe get a turn now and then. Like That's, it It affects everything. Great point. It's a great,
1: great point. And you know, guys, like when you coach against guys like that, it's tough because you don't want to tell your guy to be aggressive or you know, overly aggressive or overly conservative, a lot of times what you hope when you're wrestling a guy like that is, okay, he's a hammer on top and his cardio is garbage. So, you know, we're going to be really smart on our feet. And even if we have to pick neutral, we're going to. And then we're going to kick this guy loose. And then we're going to go hard on our feet in the third period, you know, and, and try to, you know, tie it up that way. But guys like him, guys like Spencer Lee, if you do take him down twice and they get to their choice, they're just going to pick top. I mean, it almost gets worse. You know, so, I mean, you know, like, you know, when you coach MMA or even wrestling, it's like how many different paths to victory are there? How many different ways can you win? And when you can win from the top, not just like, well, I can ride, I can get riding time, I can stop the guy from getting out, but you can win, you can score, especially with four-point near falls now. It's a game-changer. And, I mean, him and Piccinini had always had close matches, and he just got on top of him at nationals 16 to nothing in four minutes, man. I mean, I guarantee you the second period, he had his choice and picked up. Like if I don't have to go back and watch the tape, cause you don't know, pitch me and you didn't pick down, you know, I don't think, you know, maybe you got to take down, but I would bet my bottom dollar that he picked up and just the guy scored probably 14 of those 16 points from the top. I mean, that's insane. It's just, right. that's not normal.
0: Right. And that kind of puts the lie to, you know, they've wrestled several times. So you know, one of the narratives surrounding Lee's at this point is like, well, everybody's seen him, you know, he's been scouted. It's like, it hasn't stopped anybody. He's still getting to, you know, getting his points and turning people over. It hasn't stopped him. So when you're great at something, being scouted is overrated.
1: I mean, people knew for a long time, Jordan Burroughs had a double, like he's still beating everybody, you know, like people know Kyle Snyder's going to pull on your head. Like, you know, like, you know, oh, just elbow him off. Okay. Well, you know, get in there for a minute and do that. You know, Tom, they know Thomas Gilman's going to club you, right? You know, like they know Cesco is going to dive to your ankles. Like, okay, well, it's just that easy, then stop it, right? Like, good guys are so good at their stuff, they just don't care that, you know, like they'll tell you it's coming right. and they still get it. And it's, I mean, I've wrestled with guys like that. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to do this to you know, And it's frightening, you know, <laughs> like, you know, intellectually, I should be able to stop that, and I just can't. So those guys are next level good for sure.
0: Absolutely. I think that does it for Minnesota in our initial foray into the top 20. Next week, we'll have Lock Haven, Lehigh, Illinois, and Oklahoma state as we go 13 through 16. David, do you have anything else for the boys? No, just shout out to Henry Cejudo and Dillashaw, you know, two former wrestlers
1: getting it done this weekend and, you know, and to uh, Demetrius, to Demetrius Johnson, he really handled that that decision with a lot of class, but it's, it's uh, awesome to see wrestling continue to dominate MMA, and it just shows people even more why
0: uh, wrestling is the world's greatest martial art. 2008 Olympic team still making waves these all these years later. man. Yeah, pretty cool. For David Mercatine, this is Alex Steen wrapping up another episode of Weighing In. Thanks a lot.